Good morning. Uh, what a beautiful time of year we're experiencing right now. I just love this time of year. Uh, the cool mornings, the cool evenings, the not too hot days. You can leave your window open at night. It's great sleeping weather. Uh, after the year we've had so far in 2020, I really, really do hope we have a, a much longer nor- than normal uh, fall like this. You know, today we are kicking off our Immerse Bible reading campaign. Um, if you are new with us today, let me fill you in a little bit about what that's about. You know, uh, we're going to be reading through this Immerse Bible. It's not the whole Bible, so we're not, don't get, don't get overwhelmed. But uh, we've done this before. Uh, a couple of years ago, we read through the New Testament together as a church. Um, a year ago this fall, we read through the first five books of the Old Testament. And we're encouraging you to join us as we read through a portion of the Old Testament. Again, this time it's going to be Joshua, Judges, and Ruth. And then First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings. Now, this is kind of an interesting uh, part of the Bible. There's all sorts of really interesting stories and, and characters and developments and twists and plots and changes and all those sorts of things. There are some stories that are really inspiring. There are stories that um, are warnings to us, I guess you could say. There's some tragedy. Um, there are parts that kind of make you scratch your head or you have to dig a little bit deeper to kind of understand what's going on. And there are even a few lists. I'm going to give you a warning up, up front. There are a few times where there's some lists of, of names and places and and people, and that can be a little bit, you know, a little bit to dry. So hang in there. If you get to those, it won't last too long. But what we're doing is we're going to be reading through a portion of it each week. It's doable, very doable for eight weeks, very doable. There's a reading plan. If you get behind and you can't catch up, don't worry about it. Just jump to where you are for the day. Uh, the point is just kind of try to do the best you can with us. Uh, we'll be focusing on one of those passages during our sermons and then our, our small groups, our life groups, they get together weekly uh, for uh, kind of some Bible study and discussion, some prayers, just kind of doing life together, building friendships. Um, and they'll be looking at the readings for the week as well. So if you're not a part of a life group and you want to be, let us know. Get a hold of the church office. It's not too late. If you want a, one of these books, let us know as well. We can help you out with that as well. Get a hold of the church office or go to um, our website. You know, growing up, I was uh, blessed to be around many, many relatives. I knew all of my p- grandparents really well. I, I saw my aunts and uncles and my cousins on a regular basis, all except for, well, one family who uh, lived up in Idaho. I saw them a few times over the years, actually visited them once. But I, I knew a lot of my relatives. I knew them pretty well. And I even knew relatives of my relatives. Uh, for, I have deep roots in this area. There's a cemetery north of here about 60 miles or so. It's on Highway 9, about halfway between uh, Concordia and Clyde. And just to the south of the highway, there's a cemetery where there's uh, four or five generations of, of McHenry's who are buried there. On my mom's side of the family, there's a cemetery out in, in western uh, Colorado where my grandpa and my great-grandpa and some of other relatives, they're all buried out there as well. So I'm fortunate in that I kind of have a, a pretty good handle to, 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 to a degree on my, my family history. And because of that, I know a lot of the stories uh, about my relatives from my past. And uh, there's some really interesting stories. There, there are a few scandals here and there. I mean, what family doesn't have a few uh, kind of interesting stories or scandals because there's no perfect person and there's no perfect family. I mean, we are imperfect, flawed people living in an imperfect and flawed world. So why should we be surprised when sometimes families have struggles? But where those stories are, are um, 
you know, something really inspiring or whether maybe they're a warning or maybe it's kind of a cool thing to see how somebody had some struggles, but they they made their way through it. Uh, most of us have a, some sort of fascination with knowing something about our family and our history and, and digging into those those stories. And for whatever reason, when it, it helps us to relate and to understand who we are and and can kind of help us as we make our way through life. Well, today we are coming to a passage from Joshua chapter two, where we find a a very interesting story about a woman who's a part of a family tree, a very famous and important family tree in the Bible. And she has a very colorful past, but she also has a very inspiring future. Let's pick it up in Joshua chapter 2. I won't read it all, but I'm going to read a few of those verses uh, for you now. This is from the Immersed Bible that we're going to be using. It's a New Living Translation, uh, which is very readable and And it's going to read like a novel almost because there aren't chapter and verse uh, markings. So let's pick it up. Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelites camp at Acacia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they came from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. Actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up, went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sion and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things, for the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. So let's pick it up. What comes before this in it becomes this before the story? What's the context? Well, the Jewish people, um, they've been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And God hears their cries for deliverance, and he sends Moses, and he works through Moses to to get them released. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens, but after several decades, Moses leads them to the edge of the promised land. And the promised land is a land that God had promised to, to the father of the Israelite people, Abraham, hundreds of years before. That's why it was called the promised land. Now Moses has died, and Joshua, his, his protege, has taken over, and he's making plans. And part of the plans are to send these spies into the city of Jericho to kind of get the lay of the land. That's where we pick it up. And this is where we first meet Rahab, our our woman with a colorful past, but an inspiring and interesting future. First, it's her past. Well, the story is very clear about Rahab's profession. She makes her living in the sex trade. Now, we don't know how this came about. She could have come from a very severely dysfunctional family. She could have suffered some sort of abuse, maybe sexual abuse. She might have been forced into it. 
She might have thought she had no other way to provide for her family. We, we don't know. But she has a past. And people know about it. I mean, how do you think the spies chose her place to spend the night? They, they would have asked around. It was no accident they chose the house of a prostitute. I mean, what better cover would there be for two men, two strangers, traveling into the city? I mean, nobody would think anything of it. So people knew her story, they knew her past, and because of that, she would have been ignored, she would have been ostracized, looked down upon because of it by the vast, vast majority of the people who lived in Jericho. Now, what's your past? We all have things in our past that, you know, we wish we could erase, or that we certainly hope people don't find out about, or if they do know about it, we hope they forget about it, or they don't focus on it very much. Uh, We don't like to be kind of categorized by our past, especially if there's some things that are really kind of unsavory. You know, people, as though human beings, we tend to do this. You know, like, oh, that's so-and-so. Yeah, he's a recovering alcoholic. Or, oh, that's that's so-and-so. She, yeah, she's had it tough. She, you know, she's been divorced a couple of times. Or or, or that's so-and-so. Yeah, it's kind of a sad deal. He he lost his business. He went bankrupt. Or, or that's so-and-so. She, you know, she had a horrible drug problem. I sure hope she's past that now. Or, boy, you should have known him a couple of years ago. Wow, talk about a crazy guy and crazy life. Like all of us, Rahab had a past. And the problem for her was that everybody knew it. She could not escape it. It's almost impossible for her to, to escape it. Now, notice I said almost impossible because that's, that's the, one of the really powerful things about this story. You know, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 19, where with human beings, something looks impossible with God, all things are possible. And it includes our past and our present and our future. So back to the story, there are two spies at her house and somebody somehow knew they were spies and they tell the king and the king sends soldiers to her house demanding that she turn them over. And here's a pivotal point for Rahab. This is where she begins to, to move beyond her past, in spite of her past, into a future of faith and hope. What does she do? Well, it's maybe not real inspiring, but she lies. She tells a fib. She says, yeah, they were here, but they left town earlier. And maybe, I mean, I don't really know much about them, where they came from or anything, but I think they went that way. If you hurry, you might be able to catch them. But the truth was, as we see, just heard, was she hid them up on the roof. Now, why would she do this? Did they offer to pay her? You know, did they threaten her? No. She did it because she has faith. Let me explain. Verse 8. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land. I know the Lord has given you this land, the promised land. Let's step, let's step back for a minute. She has more faith in God than most of the Israelites that we see in the pages of the Old Testament. I know the Lord has given you this land. It has not happened yet, but she knows and believes that it will happen. Now, just, let's recap. The story of the Israelites, the first time they approached the promised land, 40 years earlier, all but a few of them 
lacked faith. They didn't think they could do it. They didn't think God would fall through on his promises. They didn't think that God would do what he said he would do. And so they they shrink back in faith and they wander in the desert for an extra 40 years. But Rahab, who was not an Israelite, who did not have access to and exposure to God's commands, who who hadn't had first-hand eyewitness of, of God's multiple accounts of of miracles, of provision, of deliverance, of help, of revealing himself, his presence. In spite of her lack of access to all of that, she believed. She had faith. I know the Lord has given you this land. She'd only heard about it, but she had faith. She'd heard all these things, and she believed that God was about to do it again. And then she makes a very powerful statement of faith. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. I mean, that's a staggering statement. I mean, where she would have lived, there would have been countless gods, and she would have had her own religion and background and culture. And she, she basically says, they're all secondary. They're, they're, they're maybe even they're all false. Your God is the one true God of everything in the heavens and on the earth. That's an incredible statement of faith. And then because of her faith that God is the one true God, she decides to make a deal with the spies. I save your life. You save my life and that of my family. And that's what happens. And her colorful past begins to fade behind her. And she begins to move into a future of faith and newness. Because as we follow her story... We find out she married an Israelite man named Salmon. Who knows? Maybe he was one of the spies. Wouldn't that be kind of a cool plot twist, kind of romantic? And she and Salmon, they, they have a, a son who has a son who has a son. Well, you get the picture. On and on and on. And eventually, this family tree, as you trace it, it leads to King David. And then from King David, it leads to Jesus Christ, God's son, the Messiah. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, you would have, you would have thought that whoever was writing down the family tree of Jesus that maybe they would have wanted to gloss over, you know, or skip certain family members. The ones with an embarrassing past who maybe didn't quite fit. But they didn't. They include Rahab, the prostitute. Because I think they wanted us to know something. I think God wanted us to know something very, very significant. Being a part of God's family is not determined by our past behavior is determined by our faith in Jesus Christ. Let me repeat that. Being a part of God's family is not determined by our past behavior, good or bad, no matter how sordid or how glorious. Being a part of God's family is determined by our faith in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.8, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, grace, God's Gift, undeserved and unearned grace through faith. And what is faith? I'm happy you asked. The writer of Hebrews tells it to us in, in, in Hebrews 11.1, 1, which is the beginning of a chapter in the Bible called the, the Hall of Faith. And in fact, it, it lists all these prophets from the Old Testament. And it includes, surprise, Rahab. Let's see what what the definition of faith is. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. 
confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And then he, this author adds, this is what the ancients, the people in the Old Testament, this is what they were commended for. They had confidence in what they were hoping for and they had assurance for what they did not yet see. And that's what Rahab had. She was confident that if she sided with God, if she put her, her, her trust in him, she would be saved and her family too. She had not seen him at work yet. She'd only heard stories, but that was enough. She, she had heard and she believes. The Apostle Paul tells us, faith comes from hearing the word of God. She had heard of God's goodness, God's faithfulness, God's power, and she believed. What did she believe? She believed that with God all things are possible, even for a woman with a sordid past. She believed that with God your past does not have to define you. She believed that with God she could have a new life and a new direction. She believed that with God she and her family could have a a different future. They could make a break from the past. They could have a new trajectory. And it led to her being a part of the family tree of Jesus Christ. She believed that with God you are not lost because of your past, but that you are saved by trusting in him and him alone. She believed that God is the supreme God, the one true God of, of the heavens above and the earth below. She believed that God could and would keep his promise. She believed all of this. And because she did, she became a part of the family tree of Jesus Christ. And that's something that's available to you and me regardless of our past, regardless of our present circumstances, and even regardless of our our fears and anxieties about our future. Now, if you aren't sure if you're a part of God's family, Fairly straightforward, you put your faith in Jesus. You trust in him. You trust in what he did for you on the cross, paid for our sins, our mistakes, our wrongdoing. He, he rose from the dead. He, he is the one true God, and through trusting in him and him alone, we can be saved. But you say, what, what if I, I really don't know very much? I, this is all kind of new to me. Well, Rahab knew very little, and yet she was saved. You know, sometimes people argue about how much do you have to know? Where do you have to be right to be saved? And, you know, thank goodness we're not saved by being right about everything because none of us are. None of us have all the answers. None of us understand everything. None of us have perfect faith. But we know faith is a gift from God. And we know that it's not how much faith you have. It's where you place your faith. It's not the amount of faith that matters. It's the object of your faith. And the object of our faith is Jesus Christ. And he is faithful to each of his children, to all who put their trust in him. And Rahab, she didn't know much, but she knew enough. And her faith caused her to welcome the spies and protect them. Her faith caused her to know and state that their God was the one true God. And she wanted to be on his side. Her faith caused her to hang a scarlet cord out of the window so they would know when they returned to leave her and her family alone. In theological terms, she was in spiritual spiritual kindergarten, but it doesn't matter. Because as the author of Hebrews says in the Hall of Faith, by faith, Rahab, by faith she was included in all this and she was spared and she was saved. Maybe you already believe But where do you need to grow in your faith? 
What areas of your life do you need to have faith that God can and will do something? Is it in your marriage? Is it you know, with your children, your family, your parents? Is it in your finances or your, your vocation? Is it in your health? Is it just sort of a, a general worry or anxiety about the future? I mean, maybe you're having a hard time believing that you can really and truly escape your past. But remember, with God, all things are made new. And that when you come to trust in Jesus, you are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Maybe in the craziness of all the, midst of all the craziness going on in our world and our society, you're having a hard time believing that God's in control. Maybe you have a hard time trusting that God's got this. Maybe it's hard for you to see what God is doing because if you were in charge, well, you'd do things differently. I mean, we are living in very stressful times right now. But this is an opportunity for us to, to lean into God, to grow in our faith, to test our faith. You know, you, you, read, you read this book, you read the Bible, and it is not, it's not easy street. I mean, there are wars, there are famines, there are occupations, there are exiles, all sorts of flawed, broken people, creating, creating havoc in the lives of other flawed, broken people, living in a flawed and broken society and culture, in a flawed and broken world, family dysfunction, betrayal, division, all sorts of stuff. It's all, it's all in there. Because what's going on around us, it's nothing new. And God's got this. And God's got you. He's got me. He's got us. God is, is faithful. You know, earlier in, in Joshua 1, God makes a promise to the people of, of Israel. He makes that same promise to Joshua. He makes it to us and to all who trust in him. Be strong and courageous. Why are we to be strong and courageous? Because he says, I will never leave you. And I will never forsake you. And I will be there for you. And I've got you in my hands. And I am faithful. You can trust me. You can count on me. So have faith. Have faith. Have confidence in what you hope for. And have assurance of what you do not yet see. Like, like Rahab. Be a person of of faith. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for your word. We thank you for um, the story of Rahab. Um, and Lord, we thank you for the fact that she was a person of faith. In spite of her past, in spite of maybe the baggage she carried around, in spite of how people viewed her, she was a person of faith. And because she was not only she, but her family were saved and, and she became a part of the family tree of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that we don't become a part of your family by, by our past behavior, whether it's good or bad. We're not, we become a part of your family by faith in you, Lord Jesus. So Lord, we thank you. Help us to grow in our faith. And Lord, if there are people here who are listening, who have not made that step of faith, who aren't sure yet, I pray, Lord, that they would, despite maybe feelings of, I don't know that much. Rahab didn't know much, but she trusted. 
and she acted upon her belief. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we offer ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen.